Welcome to Engaging the Experts, a series of interviews with pharmacy practitioners and educators on cutting-edge topics. In part one of this two-part Engaging the Experts interview, William Zelmer talks with Joe Dasta and Gretchen Brophy regarding hyponatremia management using medication use evaluation findings to improve care. This installment is produced by ASHP Advantage and supported by an educational grant from Otsuka America Pharmaceutical Incorporated. It is available at www.ashpadvantage.com forward slash MUE findings or via iTunes as a podcast. This is William Zelmer for the ASHP program, Engaging the Experts, a series of interviews with pharmacy practitioners and educators on cutting-edge topics. I'm speaking with Joseph Dasta and Gretchen Brophy, who presented a session on this topic at the 2014 ASHP Major Clinical Meeting. Joseph Dasta is Professor Emeritus, the Ohio State University College of Pharmacy, and adjunct professor, the University of Texas College of Pharmacy in Austin. Dr. Gretchen Brophy is professor of pharmacotherapy and outcome science and neurosurgery at Virginia Commonwealth University School of Pharmacy in Richmond. Joe, let's start this discussion by having you give a definition of hyponatremia. Thanks, Bill. The definition of any the disease associated with a laboratory value appears simple, but to kind of tee things up a bit, let me alert the group that it is a complex issue. So the simple definition is a serum sodium concentration lower than about 135 milliequivalents per liter with various labs having one or two milliequivalent differences in their cutoff period. So the simple question and the simple answer I've, I've indicated, but the complexity of the disease shouldn't be overshadowed by the simpleness of such a definition. So why is this an important issue in patient care? Well, as one looks at laboratory test abnormalities, it turns out that hyponatremia is one of the most common electrolyte disorders in hospitalized patients. To 15% of hospital patients have or develop hyponatremia. 25% of patients in the ICU are hyponatremia. The commonality that this condition has suggests that it's something that needs to be dealt with. And despite the fact that we've known about hyponatremia for many, many years, still relatively underappreciated and incompletely understood. And I'd just like to echo some of Joe's comments and also point out that we really have to look at the different types of patients as well when we talk about the importance of hyponatremia because different types of patients are going to have different goals and are going to have potentially different symptoms and different acuity of hyponatremia. So, for instance, if you have a neurosurgical patient or a patient with any kind of neurologic injury, those patients may have even more complications due to those low sodium values and therefore it can really complicate the picture. Well, just building on those comments, Joe and Gretchen, could you also comment on the potential consequences of untreated hyponatremia? Well, a lot of that information stems from large databases that uh, reveal a significant association between hyponatremia and bad outcomes bad, meaning higher mortality rate, a longer duration of stay in the hospital and the ICU. But I want to point out, as we all know, not only does that affect the patient, 
those prolonged stays generate higher hospital costs, including higher ICU costs that affect the whole healthcare system. So the consequences of untreated hyponatremia appear to be associated with these conditions. But I want to close with these comments and saying we don't really know for sure whether hyponatremia mediates the disease or is just a marker of severity, and that we're learning more and more as we study this condition. And also, too, as we think about potential consequences, again, I think the patient comes into mind to individualize therapy there, and and thinking about when the patient is left untreated with those different parameters, as Joe mentioned, with mortality and length of stay being excessive, we could also complicate their picture looking at, you know, fall risk in these patients, for instance, based on, you know, having these low sodium levels uh, causing complications. So you may have compounded issues by having this in addition to other ongoing problems in the patient. Joe, could you please comment on common causes of hyponatremia and the related implications for optimal methods of treatment? The patient who develops hyponatremia often is associated with other diseases that they have, such as congestive heart failure, cirrhosis. Those patients tend to have a higher water content, their edematous, relative to the sodium that's in the bloodstream. Patients can also have a normal amount of water, rather a normal amount of, of sodium, but the relative volume exceeds what the concentration sodium should be. And we see that, we call that uvolemic uh, hyponatremia. The most common cause of that is the syndrome of inappropriate ADH excretion. And we see that triggered in many cases by drugs that are administered to the patient. Early in your educational program, you present data from a patient registry. Joe, could you please describe the nature of that registry and tell us why the information gleaned from it is important? We conducted this registry because we really did not understand the real-world practice patterns of managing hyponatremia. Because all of the disease states that I mentioned earlier are associated with different kinds of treatments. Sometimes it's the treatment of the disease, like heart failure, and sometimes it's overlaid with the treatment to lower the sodium directly. They're very integrated and intertwined. So our purpose for this large registry, you had over 3,000 patients, was to find out what clinicians are doing in the diagnosis, assessment, and management of patients that are hospitalized with hyponatremia. And what one could do with this information is take it, and first of all, to see what is being done, but use it as a model in the development of a hyponatremia MUE that you might want to develop at your hospital. In other words, the kinds of things that we collected could be collected as well at your hospital with some of the experiences that we had in how do we define things and when do we collect them, etc. And the final point about the registry is that it has been accepted for publication in the Nephrology Journal. And we hope to see that sometime in 2015 so they can elaborate more detail about that registry from that study. Well, uh, congratulations on acceptance of that article. We'll have many folks looking for that, I'm sure. So you said uh, 3,000 patients. Uh, How many different institutions were involved in this? There were about 40 uh, institutions 
around the country. We actually had this as an international study, so we did include some hospitals in, in Europe. The good part of it, when you have a large study like this, you can then, besides publishing the main article, will have subsets that we're working on. So patients with heart failure, for example, will be a separate analysis for submission. Patients who are cirrhotic and, and have SIADH. So look towards uh, the next year or so, these other, because they're, they're sort of different patient populations, but yet they share the theme of having a low sodium. Right. Well, you know, it's very interesting. You pointed out how the collection of patient data in the registry could be used perhaps as some sort of a model in what acute care clinicians could be doing in routine practice and in the development of MUE criteria. Could you just elaborate on that for a bit, Joe? Well, I think if you were to collect data for your MUE, you can then discern or dissect out the things you're doing right and the things you're doing well, I won't say wrong, but rather opportunities for improvement in your management. If you do that at your institution, you can then target educational activities specifically based upon the things that you need to help the clinicians understand this condition. And this is a multidisciplinary condition, so the various disease states. So you're going to have a hospitalist, cardiologist, nephrologist, but the role of the nurse in drawing the samples and making sure that they're uh, drawn properly, and then certainly the role of the pharmacist uh, that we'll discuss perhaps later. But those are some of the things that can translate into better patient care at your institution by targeted your educational activity. Well, you mentioned the role of the pharmacist, and uh, I'm curious, based on analysis of this patient database and based on the experience of both of you, Joe and Gretchen, in uh, clinical practice, could you comment a bit more on uh, the role of the pharmacist in managing and monitoring patients with hyponatremia? One of the things I'll mention, pharmacists have often been the catalyst at their institution to develop protocols on various disease states. And this development of a protocol for hyponatremia would be a really good opportunity for the pharmacist to take the lead. This is one of those conditions that there's not one specialist. There's really no one person that can necessarily say they're, they're the champion of hyponatremia because of so many diseases associated with this. And that's where I think the pharmacist can say that, that they became the, the champion and integrate with the nephrologist and the hospitalist and the, the pharmacy clinicians in those various disciplines. So protocol development is an important role. Of note, when Gretchen and I give lectures on this around the country, we ask for a show of hands for how many have hyponatremia protocols at their institution. Variably, in a crowd of maybe 100, there may be two people that raise their hands. So it's an unmet need from my perspective. Yes, and I agree with all of Joe's comments again. And I would also add that I think being um, at the bedside, even with these patients and thinking about the role of the pharmacist there, in addition to developing an MUE to see how they're doing in their own practice and also educating other healthcare professionals on the importance of monitoring sodium and making sure it's being corrected as needed. Because hyponatremia can be induced by drugs, it integrates them into the team even more for this disease state because we can help identify those drugs that may be causing the problem or the combination of drugs and disease states that may be causing the problem. 
And also, I think from the monitoring standpoint, it's very important that the pharmacists be involved to make sure we're drawing the levels at the appropriate times in accordance with the treatments that we're giving, and also educating the patient on why we're doing this, the importance of monitoring the sodium and how they will need to make sure they follow up even after discharge and make sure that their sodium levels are maintained and if they have any symptoms to make sure they report that to their healthcare provider. So I think we can expand our role in the hospitals as well as talking with the patients so that would impact their discharge and their continued treatment. That concludes part one of this two-part Engaging the Experts interview. Part two of this interview is available at www.ashpadvantage.com forward slash MUE findings or via iTunes as a podcast. For more information on this topic, visit www.ashpadvantage.com forward slash MUE findings.